Welcome to Parsha on a Pod, a weekly podcast that will summarize and offer insights into the weekly Parsha. My name is Rabbi Yechiel Schaffer. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation, and each week, in 15 minutes or less, we will present a seven-part podcast summarizing the Torah portion. This week, we start off with Parsha's Vayera. Vayera is a wonderful Parsha packed with drama, with destructions of cities, with bindings of Isaac, and many other events. Vayera is, in some ways, the second longest Parsha in the Torah, has 7,862 letters in it, 2,085 words, 147 verses, but it is packed and lives up to the drama that is Sefer Bereshit. We hope you enjoy this, the first Parsha on a pod. Part 1. Guests come to town. Avram and Sarah are visited by three strangers, and though Avraham is weak from his circumcision, a small medical procedure he performed on himself, these guests are brought into Avram's ho- Avram and Sarah's home with great enthusiasm, producing an extensive feast for them. The guests, who are clearly not the men they appear to be, share with Avraham, by the way, Sarah overs- overhears this and thinks it's absurd, they share with Avraham that they will return in a year and Sarah will have had a child. Keep in mind, Sarah is 89 years old at the time of this prediction. Rashi, on verse 18.12, refines our understanding of Sarah's laughter at the idea of having another child as not directed at laughter towards God or even towards these guests but a a reflection on her own body, the limitations of her old age. Would her old body be able to bear a child? She is reasonably skeptical. The Sephorno on the same location, chapter 18, verse 12, helps us understand a little bit more of Sarah's perspective. She believes that the words of the guests were a blessing and not a prophecy. One does not have to accept a blessing that seems to be physically impossible. While it's nice to offer a blessing, if it's absurd, you don't have to believe the blessing will come true. And so ends the first aliyah of Parshas Fayera. We begin the next aliyah, aliyah number two, where Avraham confronts Sarah for her reaction to the message that she will be having a child. Sarah denies her laughter, but Avram confirms that it is indeed true that she laughed. Perhaps, if her laughter was internal, if her laughter was a skeptical laugh, she herself didn't realize that she had had such a reaction. Avram and Sarah's guests set off on their next mission to destroy the evil city of Sodom, and God decides to let Avraham in on the secret. Avraham, the great protector, the Av Hamon Goyim, the father of many nations, springs up into defense of the evil city of Sodom. He works hard to defend the indefensible and requests from God various possibilities to save Sodom. Avraham is unsuccessful in his defense, and God leaves his presence. Rashi, on chapter 18, verse 33, invokes the court case model, presenting Avraham as this great defense attorney, God as the judge, 
and Avram's guests as the prosecution. The Netziv on 1834 says that God leaves at the end of the story because that's what a judge does when the case is over. That being said, the Netziv also says something profound. God leaves because had he stayed, Avram may have been successful in his continued defense of Saddam and prevented the destruction. This reminds us of Moshe's prayer to enter the land of Israel and how God insists Moshe stop because if he were to continue, he'll be successful. This is the power of the prayer of the righteous. And so ends the second Aliyah. Welcome to part three, Aliyah number three. The guests of Avraham, they arrive in Sodom, ready to bring their message of doom. Lot, Avraham's nephew, who is found at the, the, the gates of the city, intervenes with these guests. Mimicking his uncle Avram, he invites them into his home. They say they would prefer to stay in the town square. What's the reason for the hospitality? But Lot, knowing Saddam, understands that that is not safe and insists they come to his home. The people of Saddam hear that Lot has indeed taken guests and they come to his door demanding access. Lot insists that they should not take his guests. That would be a great violation of his Abrahamic values, but rather take his daughters. Yuck, what a poor father. When this is not an acceptable solution to the people of Sodom, the guests pull Lot back into the house and blind, miraculously blind their attackers, preventing, him, preventing them for fa- from finding Lot's door. The guests tell Lot to flee and to bring his entire family with him. Lot's sons-in-law laugh at the suggestion, perhaps similar to the laughter that exists earlier in the Parsha with Sarah. And so Lot finds himself fleeing with just his daughter. And the Aliyah, this section concludes with Lot's concern that he won't be able to get far enough away and a request that he have refuge in a small little village nearby called Soar. And so ends the third Aliyah. Welcome to section number four. Lot, his wife, and his daughters flee to that town called Zoar. They flee there with a messenger's permission, claiming at the end of the last aliyah that they could go no further. They can't make it past Zoar. After Lot's wife takes a famous look back at Sodom, and she turns into a pill of salt, Lot and his daughters feel it is time also to flee that small refuge, that small village. And so they head up into the mountains. It is in the mountains that Lot gets drunk on two consecutive nights and has an incestuous relationship with his daughters. Rashi, chapter 19, verse 30, suggests that Lot is making an irrational decision, making irrational decisions out of fear. And so he leaves his city of refuge and flees to the hills. I wonder, I wonder if there are any parallels between Lot and Noah. Lot is saved, Noah is saved. When Noah comes out of the Teva, Noah gets drunk and terrible things happen to him. When Lot comes out of Tzoar, his city of refuge, he gets drunk 
and terrible things happen to him. Just a thought. Welcome to section five, Aliyah number five. Avram and Sarah, Avram and Sarah revel in the miracle of their child. And the miracle that Sarah can sustain him, that Sarah can feed him, can nurse him. As Yitzchak, who receives his name from Sarah in the parsha, grows, Sarah becomes more concerned with Yishmael's place in the family and insists that Avraham divorce Hagar and excel, exile the mother and child. Though Avraham is hesitant, God encounters him to listen, God encourages him to listen to his wife and he sends them out into the desert. When the child is at death's door, an angel intervenes and provides water for them and saves them from certain death. The Torah tells us that Yishmael grows up and marries an Egyptian woman. Rashi, chapter 21, 21, says that Yishmael marries an Egyptian woman because his mother was Egyptian. Rashi says that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so ends section number five. Section number six, Avraham creates a peace agreement with Avimelech over a dispute regarding the use of wells. Water, everyone needs water. The lack of water creates a dispute. Avram gives Avimelech seven ewes, and so the place becomes known as Be'er Sheva. After the conclusion of the negotiations and the signing of the accords, Avraham, Avimelech returns to his land, and Avraham lives peacefully for a long time in Be'er Sheva. Rashi, chapter 21, verse 33, records that there is a debate in the Talmud, found in Sota, page 10a, between Rav and Shmuel regarding what Avraham now does in Be'er Sheva. One opinion is that for years he plants a vineyard and he uses the produce to feed his guests. The other opinion suggests that Avraham opens a bed and breakfast and feeds and educates his guests about God. Either way, Avram continues practicing the value of Hachnasat Archem, of welcoming in guests. And so ends section number six. Welcome to section number seven. We have made it to the last Aliyah, the last section of the Parsha. Some considerable time has now passed and Avram hears God's voice again, instructing him in his Next test. This test will become his most famous and stands out as the most extraordinary expression of faith. We are, of course, talking about Akedat Yitzchak, the binding of his beloved son, Isaac. There are many unusual features of the, te of the text worth paying attention to. Some peculiarities include the name the Torah uses to identify the knife. The Torah causes the knife a ma'achelet, not a usual name for a knife. The fact that every phrase in the story begins with the letter Vav, also an unusual grammatical structure, and how the story concludes, leaving some ambiguity about the place of Yitzchak. The Torah concludes and says, Avraham returned to his place, but it doesn't tell us where Yitzchak goes. The Parsha ends with a brief description of the genealogy of Rivka, who we have yet to meet. And Rashi, chapter 22, 19, adds some context to the timeline, suggesting that Avram had left Beersheba 12 years earlier and moved to Hebron. This detail will become important 
in next week's Parakanapad as we explore Chaye Sora, the demise and burial of Sara Imena. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom, wishing you good health, good happiness, and good insight into the weekly Parsha. This has been Parakanapad. My name is Yechiel Schaffer, the host of this podcast.